Euzubillahimineşşeytanirracim Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Elhamdülillahi Rabbil alemin Vessalatu vesselamu ala seyyidina Muhammedin ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ecma'in Allahümme allimna ma yenfa'una Vanfa'ana bima allemtena Ve zidna ilmen nafi'a Allahümme erinel hakka hakkan varzukna ittiba'a وَأَرِنَا الْبَاطِلَ بَاطِلًا وَارْزُقْنَا اَجْتِنَابَهِ رَبِّ اشْرَحْ لِي صَدْرِي وَيَسْتِرْ لِي أَمْرِي وَحْلُلْ اُقْدَةً مِنْ لِسَانِي يَفْقَهُ قَوْلِي Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Welcome to the Reflections on the Risale-i Nur by Bedi-Uz-Zaman Said Nursi podcast series. This is Mustafa Tuna. You can listen to the episodes of this series wherever you listen to your podcasts or at the website www.reflections-rn.org. In this episode, inshallah, we will begin reading the 27th word, which is about ijtihad. We finished reading the 20th flash in this second thread of our readings. In the other thread, we are doing the 10th word, alhamdulillah. And in the second thread, we are focusing on uh, shorter treatises that seem to be appear to be more urgently in need of being put out there in the public space in this forum too. The 21st flash fo- uh, follows the 20th flash. They are both about ikhlas, sincerity in purpose, purity of intention. However, uh, based on some conversations with some friends, I felt that the 27th word was also very urgent. Perhaps it is urgent for me. I don't know. Uh, but I decided to do it first. And may God give us success in being able to read and understand it. So the 27th word is about ijtihad. And this is a technical term that has found its way into the English language to a large extent. It is usually translated as independent reasoning or independent judgment. And that is to some extent accurate, but does not convey the full meaning of the word. The root of the word ijtihad is jahada, which means to struggle. It is to struggle to achieve something. What do we want to achieve? What this word implies is that the person who struggle is trying to achieve God's contentment. When we apply this to jurisprudence, what it means is that the person who is doing ijtihad is trying to apply the Quran and the Sunnah to a particular circumstance that the judgment on which is not readily clear from the Quran or the Sunnah. There are indications, but one needs to do some interpretation and apply those rules, indications to this particular circumstance in order to find out what God wants from us in this particular circumstance, what pleases God. Now, what this then means is that this is not independent. This is a struggle towards something and it is also limited by something. What limits it is the scripture, the Quran and the Hadith. Now, we need to add something else to it. The interpretations of others who have struggled in the same way before us, 
because if we just assumed that it is the Quran and the Sunnah, the texts, and us and our very smart mind alone, that would not be a modest attitude. And modesty is an important attitude for one to please God because one who is not modest is in the danger of falling into arrogance and God does not want arrogance in his slaves. Even an iota of arrogance in a slave of God is not acceptable. Pride, arrogance belongs to God and we can have none of it. What that means is that we have to be cautious. We have to be walking on eggshells as we try to find out what pleases God in a particular circumstance. We have to fear ourselves. We have to fear the deceptions of our compulsive lower souls and the whisperings of Satan as we, that's why the word is struggle, as we struggle to achieve God's contentment. Therefore, this is not independent. It is independent in the sense that the person who is struggling is struggling on his or her own. However, it is not independent in the sense that you have a free hand to decide however you want to decide. Now, one other thing to clarify before we move on to reading is that the very intent of struggling to find what pleases God also entails an effort to acquire the knowledge of what pleases God. That is, again, the scripture. One has to have a very good sound knowledge of the Quran and the prophetic traditions, Sunnah. And this is not only about memorizing them. This is also about understanding how particular rulings, particular uh, arguments in, in the scripture relate to one another. And that again requires understanding how others have interpreted it throughout history. And that is no small quick task. Therefore, in order to be qualified to do ijtihad in affairs or jurisprudence, one needs to have achieved this broad, vast, deep ocean of knowledge. And that is why we don't call anybody who is struggling to find the ruling that will please God in a particular circumstance a mujtahid, a person who does ishtihad. No, mujtahid is a person who has acquired that knowledge, that ocean of knowledge. But again, it doesn't end there either. This is not only about knowledge. It is also about the position that one's heart takes before God. One can have accumulated that knowledge, but one's intentions may not be in the right place. And if that happens, one will not be able to do the do ijtihad in the way ijtihad needs to be done. Therefore, in order to call a person mujtahid, we do not only look at his knowledge base, but we also look at his character and we try to get a sense of his intentions too. So this is no small thing. However, if one were to go online or go walk into any mosque and join some discussion about issues that relate to 
Islamic jurisprudence or in general affairs of religion, one would see that there are lots of mujtahids all around. Lots of people giving fatwas, giving opinions on all sorts of issues. The problem is they are not mujtahids. They do not know what they are talking about. They have not recognized the seriousness of this affair. One who has not rec recognized the seriousness of this affair from, first of all, cannot be called a mujtahid. Because this person has not recognized how majestic his Lord is. That his Lord is, is able to put him into fire or into paradise. That his Lord is worthy of being awed and loved and feared even without the existence of hell or heaven in his essence. So one who does not know God will not recognize the seriousness of this affair and therefore we cannot call that person a mujtahid. An incident that I had once heard about a Tajik boy living in Russia, in, in Moscow. Uh, there used to be a Tajik bazaar, Tajik marketplace in Moscow, where the uh, Tajik immigrants to Russia, who usually were illegal immigrants, would enter and spend several years without leaving this marketplace, because that was to some extent protected from the intrusions of the security forces. So this boy living in the marketplace, it's a large place, a huge establishment, it was, uh, living in the marketplace, wanted to become an Islamic scholar. But his parents were afraid to allow him to acquire that, that kind of training in Moscow because uh, this was a very open marketplace of ideas and opinions. And going back to Tajikistan, that it was certain it would be certain that this child would be subjected to at least harassment of the authorities for the whatever kind of knowledge that he had acquired back in Russia. Uh, the Tajik government is a very closed government. Let's try to be um, polite. Uh, so his, par his parents did not want him to do this, but he still wanted to go ahead and figure out a way to do it. So he had a cell phone and he had access to the internet. At age 15, he had taught himself enough Arabic to follow online forums and understand what was being talked about in those forums. And he would take questions from people who had you know, some issue going on in their lives, some problem to solve, and were seeking authoritative opinion about affairs of religion. So he would take these questions, search about the issue on the internet in other forums, figure out an answer, and post the answer. And as a result of this, in his second identity in the digital internet world, he had acquired the title Sheikh. On the internet, in all those forums, people recognized him as a scholar of Islam at age 15, as an authority to do independent, and I'm using the word independent in quotation marks, independent judgment. So th this is no joke, and it is all over the place. And Muslims are faced with the dilemma of 
being able to find answers to their problems and not being able to trust the would-be authorities who are going to give them op their opinions. So there are some who are lucky to end up with uh, scholars, real mujtahids, who can give them opinions or at least who know the opinions of earlier generations and produce those readily for uh, in application of particular circumstances. And there are those who end up with in the, in the you know worst of, of circumstances with quacks and and are really misguided misguidance is if not everywhere very widespread so in this context reading the 27th word the the treatise on ijtihad should give us some foundation as to how we should approach this question and how we should try to solve our particular circumstances what to do it gives us important guidance and guidelines bismillah 27th söz the 27th word ijtihad risalesi the treatise on ijtihad i'm going to use the word ijtihad as is i'm not going to try to translate it 5-6 sene mukaddem Arabi bir risalede ictihada dair yazdığım bir mesele iki kardeşimin arzularıyla o meseleye dair haddinden tecavüz edenin haddini bildirmek için şu söz o meseleyi ictihadiyeye dair yazıldı. Üstad Nursi is giving us this introductory remark at the beginning. He is saying that about 5-6 years ago he had written a treatise in Arabic uh, and in this treatise he had written something on ictihad. And, and what he's referring to here is Mathnavi Nuriye. It is a collection of treatises in Arabic, or it was later on made into a collection of treatises in Arabic. And in one of the treatises of the book Mathnavi Nuriye, Stad Nursi talks about the question of Ijtihad. One and a half, maybe two page long text in Arabic in there was the foundation of what is to come in this treatise, the 27th word. He says that he had written this in Arabic about five to six years ago and two of my brothers wished that he say something about that, that, that subject, that topic. Now, why? Why did these brothers uh, ask Stad Nursi to say something about it? Because there was somebody or maybe some people who did not know their place with regard to this issue. Maybe they were, you know, some of these internet sheikhs. Uh, you know, walking around at that time too. They did not know their place and therefore this question of ijtihad was made into an independent treatise by Ustad Nursi in order to put those who do not know their place, who exceed their bounds, in order to put them into their place. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim this uh, is of course from a verse in the fourth chapter of the quran surat an-nisa it is taken from the 83rd verse of the chapter and a translation uh, this is uh, the translation by abdul halim it is one of the better translations in English 
or interpretations might be a better way to put it, better interpretations in English. I am going to read the entire verse uh, in English. Whenever news of any matter comes to them, whether concerning peace or war, they spread it about. If they referred it to the messenger and those in authority among them, those seeking its meaning would have found it out from them. If it were not for God's bounty and mercy towards you, you would almost all have followed Satan. So the part Ustad Nursi is taken is taking from this verse is um, if they referred it to the messenger and those in authority among them, those seeking its meaning would have found it out for them. So what concerns us here is that whenever there is a matter in which there is some disputation, in which what pleases God is not perfectly clear for us, it is an obligation to refer it to the messenger, Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He is not among us, he is not living uh, the way we are living right now, although he is living in his grave, but he is not alive among us. Uh, we cannot consult him in person on a regular basis, but his traditions are with us. Therefore, we can refer the matter to him and those in authority among them. Now, what this means is those who have the knowledge, who have the capacity to seek the meaning of the matter that is being disputed, that is under discussion, which then, of course, will take us to the mujtahid, the definition of mujtahid that we tried to make uh, before we started our reading. So this is the verse that Ustad Nursi builds his ideas on in this treatise. This treatise is an interpretation of this verse. It is a tafsir, as the Risale Nur is a tafsir. Ijtihad kapısı açıktır. The gates of ijtihad, the gates of ijtihad are open. What does this mean? Now, this was a long-lasting debate that became especially volatile and, and widespread in the late 19th, early 20th centuries among Muslims all over the world where some would say the gates of ijtihad, the gates of, let's use the word, independent reasoning, but of, of course we understood already that it is not independent, the gates of uh, reasoning in order to reach a judgment about particular circumstances uh, from the point of view of religion are closed. Some said that. And some said, no, they are open, we can continue to do ijtihad. And those who said that, no, we can't continue to do ijtihad, kind of took this beyond its limits. Uh, maybe lost that sense of modesty and tried to or started to do ijtihad as if it was an independent affair. And that continues to be the case now. Whereas those who said, no, it is closed, fell into blind imitation and and kind of try to freeze time, uh, freeze this, the, the conditions of life at a point where they thought the gates of Ishtihad were still open. So what Ustad Nursi says here is that the first thing he says is the gates of Ishtihad are open, but fakat şu zamanda oraya girmeye altı mani vardır. However, 
in this time that we live in and this was written in 1927 28 and if we maybe 29 no 1929 and if we consider the original time it was written in arabic in that brief note that would take us to early 1920s 1923 1924 uh, however is the, the situation is not different now the obstacles before us that prevent us from entering there that prevent us from going through that gate so the gate is open but there are six obstacles that prevent us from going through it what are they birincisi the first nasıl ki kışta fırtınaların şiddetli olduğu bir vakitte dar delikler dahi seddedilir yeni kapıları açmak hiçbir cihetle kâr akıl değil in the way that in winter, when there are um, strong, powerful storms raging, one closes even small holes. Now imagine a you know house made perhaps made of wood, and therefore there are little holes in between those pieces of wood. The the um, between the logs, there are little holes between the logs. So in the winter, at a time of strong powerful storms raging even narrow holes small holes would be closed in this way it is not something that the intellect might accept to open new gates new doors this is not something that intellect intellect would accept find reasonable in any way there are storms the wind is blowing you are trying to close even the tiniest, narrowest hole around the house so that you don't get that cold weather, cold air in. It doesn't make sense to go and open a new door on the wall. Hem nasıl ki büyük bir serin hücumunda tamir için duvarlarda delikler açmak gark olma vesiledir. And also, as a great massive flood is attacking, again raging, to open some holes on the walls even if it is with the intention to repair them would be a cause for drowning again try to imagine there is a flood let's say we are living in a valley and a massive flood is raging toward us and we have a wall that is protective enough maybe we are not sure whether it's going to you know withstand the pressure from the water or not but that is to be found uh, and and the water is coming if we say no i'm going to repair this wall now you have like maybe a minute before the water hits if you say i'm going to repair this wall now and start breaking parts of the wall opening holes in it taking some bricks out if it in, even if it is with the intention to put new bricks you are going to be drowned because the flood will reach you before you can even put a single brick on that wall and because you broke the wall because you opened holes on it it's not going to be of any use öyle de şu münkerat zamanında ve adat-ı ecanibin istilası anında ve bid'aların kesreti vaktinde ve dalaletin tahribatı hengamında ictihad namıyla kasr-ı İslamiyet'ten yeni kapılar açıp duvarlarından muharriplerin girmesine vesile olacak delikler açmak İslamiyet'e cinayettir so in the same way we understood the two metaphors in the same way 
at this time of denials and the flood of assault and spread of um, foreign customs, the customs of in that particular context, he is using the word ajanib, which was usually used in order to refer to Europeans, but in general, non-Muslims, powerful non-Muslims, at this time of at, at this time in which uh, denials and the customs of the foreigners, foreign customs, non-Islamic customs, customs that are foreign to Muslims, are attacking and flooding all over, spreading all over. At this time when bid'ahs are, are in, in multitude and bid'ah is innovation and again that's a uh, somewhat sensitive concept. Innovation can be good or bad. What Ustad Nursi is referring to here is bad innovations and in the context, the particular context that he is he was living, some of these bad innovations for instance included the giving of hutbas in the Turkish language instead of the Arabic language, the even the, the the calling of the adhan, the call to prayers in the minarets in the Turkish language instead of the Arabic language. Now adhan is a token of Islam. It's a symbol of Islam. Whenever you hear it, you know that you are, uh, you know, close to Muslims. Maybe you are in a Muslim country, or you are you are close to Muslims, and that was. Uh, prescribed, required by the Turkish government at the time to be called in Turkish. And from Ustad Nursi's point of view, this was a huge bid'ah. Or people were forced to put on uh, European hats instead and, and take off their turbans and taqiyas, those uh, outfits that were associated with Islam at the time. So this is a time when bid'ahs, bad innovations are widespread the customs of the Westerners, the customs of the those who are foreign to Islam are spreading, the denials are spreading and, and assaulting on Muslims. Misguidance is causing a lot of damage. At a time like this, Ustad Nursi says, if one were to open new gates to the or on the palace of Islam, and open new holes on its walls that would allow uh, foreign attackers, warriors, foreign warriors to enter through. That would be a murder committed against Islam. That would be the murder of Islam. So it is not only about opening gates, opening doors, making repairs on the walls. One has to look at this situation. One has to consider the circumstances. If it is raining cats and dogs and then you need to you need to do some repairs on your roof, you don't do it while it is raining because whatever is there on the roof at least is holding the water out. If it is dripping, you can put a, a bucket under it and, and you know save yourself from the damage of the water. But if you say, well, this is dripping, I'm going to repair this the roof and you open up the entire roof while it is raining cats and dogs. You expose yourself to a rain that's raining cats and dogs. You increase the damage. You don't prevent it. You cause it. So Ustad Nursi is saying, imagine Islam as a palace. It has doors. It has walls. And there are huge floods, hordes attacking it from outside. And these walls can keep it, can protect it, but maybe they are not perfect. They may not be perfect, but if you say, 
I am going to open a new door here. It's going to make it easier for us to get in and out. Or if you say, I'm going to open some holes on this wall because it doesn't look uh, very sturdy. I'm going to fix it and make it better. At this time, those hordes or those enemies, those warriors will enter through and damage everything, will loot everything, with, will, will eviscerate the palace, will ev eviscerate, in this case, Islam, and that is murder. It is not only about what is that being done, it is also about, or it is absolutely about, the circumstances in which it is being done. İkincisi, dinin zaruriyatı ki içtihat onlara giremez. Now there are uh, certain aspects of Islamic jurisprudence that are considered to be zaruriya, requirements. And içtihat is not something that we apply to them. For instance, prayer, five daily prayers. It is clear, it is in the Quran, it is in the prophetic traditions, it's in the practice of the Sahabi, the companions of the Prophet and it has been understood in the way it has been understood for so many centuries. It is clear, it is a necessity, it is a requirement, and, and it is not something that we can do ijtihad about. We cannot say, okay, the Quran says five, the Prophet prayed five times a day, but because of this and that and this and that, I'm going to do ijtihad and I will say, no, what pleases God is three. Or what pleases God is four. What does that mean? Do you know, or the person who would say this, the, the hypothetical person who would say this, do you know better than the Prophet wasallam who said five? This is required, this is clear. This is certain. There is no ijtihad about these affairs. Çünkü kat'i ve muayyendirler. Because again, they are certain and they are definite. They are specified and they are definite. Hem o zaruriyat kut ve gıda hükmündedirler. Moreover, those requirements are like food and sustenance. Like basic nutrition. They are like basic nutrition and food. For what? For the the body of Islam for for the believers şu zamanda terke uğruyorlar ve tezazüldedirler people are leaving them at this time and they are being abundant they are being degraded what is being degraded the requirements basic foundational requirements of religion people are not praying five times a day people are not fasting the, the month of Ramadan without excuse there can be no excuse for not praying five times a day. But people are not praying. According to one survey conducted in one of the countries in the world that is known to be a Islamic, even Islamist country, about 16% of the people are praying their prayers five times a day. 16%. 84% are not praying. The main requirements of religion are being abandoned and degraded. This is the time. Ve bütün himmet ve gayreti onların ikamesine ve ihyasına sarf etmek lazım gelirken, İslamiyet'in nazariyat kısmında ve selefin iştihadat-ı safiyane ve halisanesiyle bütün zamanların hacatına dar gelmeyen efkarları olduğu halde, onları bırakıp 
Heves kerane yeni iştahatlar yapmak bir daha kerane bir hıyanettir. Although at this time all effort and endeavor should be expanded on their being upheld and raised to life. What are they? The requirements of religion. All effort and endeavor should be expanded on their being upheld and raised to life. Although this is the case, they are being abandoned and degraded. So what needs to be done in a situation like this? What does the intellect entail? What makes sense? What makes sense is that all effort, all endeavor should be expanded on raising them up and bringing them back to life. Increasing that number 16%, that's horrible. Let's try to bring it to 50%. Let's try to bring it to 80%. A person will first be asked about his prayer and if the accounting is fine with regard to prayer all the rest of the accounting will be fine if it is not fine the person will be in trouble what this means is that 84% of the people living in that Islamic Islamist country are in big danger of failing in their accounting going to hell that's no simple thing if you were to if we were to see one person you know in a car accident running out of the car in flames the car is burning and this person is running out of the car in flames and all the clothing on this person is burning we see that he's tormented by the pain of the fire we wouldn't just watch it sit back and talk about some fancy issues we would run to save this person we would pour some water on him or or take a blanket and try to cover it up we would focus on saving this person from the fire that is burning him now 84 percent of the people living in this country and that's just an example i don't know if they i don't think that the situation is significantly better in the rest of the muslim populations around the world 84% of the people living in this country are under very serious danger of going to hell for a very long time period. That we are not seeing it in front of our eyes may, may make us not feel the urgency. But our intellects and imaginations should come into the process and help us understand the urgency of this matter in a situation like ours what makes sense is first to focus on raising up and bringing back to life giving their dignity back to those requirements of religion so this is the time and moreover moreover the righteous predecessors have done ijtihad with pure and and um with pure intentions with clean intentions they have done ijtihad in a pure clean clear way and with with ideas with minds that are not narrow narrow to to to take in all times their minds their thinking was marvelous if if one were to read the works of some of these 
giants of the, the Islamic tradition, let's just take the four imams of the, the four uh, founders of the four legal schools in Islam, Imam Shafi'i, Imam Hanafi, uh, Imam Malik, and Imam Hanbal. Or let's take someone like Imam Ghazali, who is considered the, the, the second mujtahid of the uh, Shafi'i school after Imam Shafi'i. They taught all details. They were posed questions, and those questions led them to detailed, broad way of thinking. It is wide enough to be of help at all times, including our time. So while these, this is the, the case, we are living under dire circumstances when, when we need to focus on bringing the requirements of religion, the basics of religion, back to life, and the ijtihad, the rulings that we have received from our righteous predecessors are wide enough uh, not to necessitate too fancy detailed ishtihads in order to solve the problems of our time to leave to leave them to leave their ishtihad and to attempt to do new ishtihad just for the sake of it just for the fancy of it just like a vain desire just to prove that you can do it. Just to prove that we can do it too. Not because there is a necessity, but because we want to feel good about it. We want to feel like we are also able to do this. We want to feel like we have the power too. We want to feel like we are mujtahids too. That's a fancy, that's a vain desire. T to leave the ijtihad, the broad, knowledge that the righteous predecessors have left for us to leave that and to stray into this new path of doing ishtihad for the sake of doing ishtihad, Ustad Nursi says, that is treason that's burdened with bad innovations. That's treason and that treason is filled with bad innovations. Ijtihad is not done for the sake of doing Ijtihad. Ijtihad is done in order to approximate, in order to come closer to what pleases God. And in a situation like this, while the man is burning, while we are burning, we, we, we, are, not, we are not free from that. We each are in danger of falling into those bad innovations. We each are in danger of not taking the foundations, basics of our religion as seriously as they should be taken. I mean, think of it, one of the indications of a person being a hypocrite, a munafiq, a hypocrite, is that this person will have difficulty getting up in the mornings to pray the Fajr morning, you know, early morning prayer, and will have difficulty uh, staying up to pray the late night Aisha prayer. Maybe the late night Aisha prayer is not that much of an issue at this time because we have electric lights and our days are elongated beyond the time when the sun sets. We are not living in this natural uh, rhythm with, with, the, uh, with the earth and the atmosphere, the, the universe that we are living in. But think, think, if it is easy or difficult for you, for me and me too, for you to get up early in the morning to pray the Fajr prayer or not. If it is difficult, if you are struggling with that, you are or I am 
in danger of being a hypocrite. That's something serious. We may even be praying five times a day. We may even, even be observing our prayers and fasting and, and so on and so forth. But that does not mean that you know we are done. We have, we have salvation. No, this is a dangerous time. In this time, the main foundations of religion are being challenged, both at a communal level and individual levels. And at a time like this, while many people are, the humanity is flowing like a river into hell, and we ourselves are in danger of falling through, falling off the, the bridge, the surat, into hell, to sit back, maybe cross our legs, and talk about these itsy bitsy fanciful issues, thinking that we are doing ijtihad, that is treason. That is treason to ourselves, and that is treason to the community of Islam. And that is a treason that is filled with bad innovations, products of so-called ijtihad that are not actually pleasing to God, but that are straying away from the foundations of religion. Those are bad innovations. Üçüncüsü, the third, nasıl ki çarşıda mevsimlere göre birer meta mergub oluyor. So in the way that in the marketplace something is going to be on demand more than others depending on the season. In the winter or in late fall, what do we see in the stores? We see winter clothes, thick, warm clothing. Right before summer, we see thin, cool clothing that's going to be fit for the warm weather. So, this is the nature of the marketplace. Whatever is whatever people need, that is going to be in demand. Vakit ve vakit ve vakit birer mal revaç buluyor. Depending on the time, you know, one product is going to be in more demand. People will be desiring it more. Öyle de, alem meşherinde, içtimaiyat-ı insaniye ve medeniyet-i beşeriye çarşısında her asırda birer meta mergub olup revaç buluyor. In the same way, in the display house of the realm, this realm that we are living in, which is like a display house, where God's blessings are on display, in the marketplace of the human society, and human civilization in every century or at in every epoch a particular product will be on demand and will people will be desiring it more demanding it more sukunda yani çarşısında teşhir ediliyor rağbetler ona celp oluyor nazarlar ona teveccüh ediyor fikirler ona müncezip oluyor in the marketplace bazaar of uh, the human civilization, the human society, that particular product is going to be on display. People's demands will be attracted to it. Their eyes, their uh, sights will turn to it. And their ideas will be attracted to it. Mesela, şu zamanda siyaset metağı ve hayatı dünyeviyenin temini ve felsefenin revaçları gibi. To give an example, the increased demand for the products of politics. Everybody's talking politics, right? 
uh, the, the provision of worldly livelihood and philosophy. Mr. Nursi is saying that these three are on demand at this time. Politics, worldly livelihood, and philosophy. Everybody is talking about them. They are on demand. If you want to attract likes on Facebook, on social media, etc., talk about one of these things. And the situation may have changed a bit uh, in, in our time with the uh, advent of the internet and social media and the anonymity of the internet and god god forbid there are much uglier things that are on demand now out there follow the money if you follow the money and see how people are making money what is making most money for for people in the, in the marketplace you will see what is on demand now so at the time Stad Nursi was writing about this this is right after world war one the, the entire world is unsettled and settling back again. So politics is really on demand. And then philosophy, people are questioning religion and trying to weigh alternative to religion and philosophy appears to be that. In the 19th century, uh, you know, young people, young men and women would spend hours and days discussing philosophy and reading these, what they call thick journals of philosophy. The, the, the youth of our times have a much shorter attention span. span uh, they are going to be collecting vines on the internet, right? So something is on demand at any given time. Ve Selefi Salihinin asrında ve o zaman çarşısında en mergub meta Halika semavat ve arzın marziyatlarını ve bizden arzularını kelamından istinbat etmek ve nurunu büvvet ve Kur'an ile kapatılmayacak derecede atılan, açılan ahiret alemindeki saadet ebediyeyi kazandırmak vesairini elde etmek gibi. So we understood this concept. Something is on demand at any given time. What was on demand at the time of the righteous predecessors? Üstad Nursi says at the time, at the centuries, epoch, time of the righteous predecessors and in the marketplace of that time, the thing that was most in demand was to find out from the words the speech of God to go to the Quran and the light of the Prophet وسلم, to the hadith and the Quran and from that to find out to extract the, the knowledge of what pleases God and what God wants from us at the time of the righteous predecessors people focused on people's uh, you know, minds were busy with finding out what pleases God, what pleases the creator of the heavens and the earth. What does he want from us? This was the question they were asking and they were going to the light of the Prophet and the Quran in order to extract the knowledge of that from God's speech. They wanted to earn eternal happiness in the realm of the hereafter that had opened before them in a way that could not be closed again they wanted to to earn the knowledge of the means of what earns eternal eternal happiness in the in the hereafter this is what they were busy with this is what they went to bed thinking and woke up thinking uh, there is this anecdote about about imam shafi they gave him a slave girl and he was busy 
busy busy reading the Quran and, and thinking these matters of obviously jurisprudence and, and religion and the hereafter matters of the hereafter he was busy busy busy he would spend his nights reading and writing so the slave girl complained to the people who gave her to him that that you know he is busy he has no interest in me that's Imam Shafi. I had heard about these two students who were attending the madrasa and they were trying to read and learn as much as possible in the limited time that they had and they were trying to economize the time that they had to such an extent that they, they, they would have the maximum amount of time for their scholarship so they decided that they would eat mashed food because that was faster to eat they would spend less time eating mashed food subhanallah glory be to god this is what their minds were busy with what they were interested in işte o zamanda zihinler kalpler ruhlar bütün kuvvetleriyle yerler ve gökler rabbinin marziyatını anlama müteveccih olduğundan ictimaiyatı beşeriyenin sohbetleri muhavereleri vukuatları ahvalleri ona bakıyordu so because at that time the minds the hearts the spirits were busy with with all their strength with all their capacity they were busy with understanding what pleases the lord of the the, the earth and the heavens because this is what they were focused on because this is where they turned to all of the conversations exchanges events and and circumstances of the human society were focused on this too ona göre cereyan ettiğinden her kimin güzelce bir istidadı bulunsa onun kalbi ve fıtratı şuursuz olarak her şeyden bir ders marifet alır so because this is what was happening in the society conversations exchanges all you know happenings all circumstances focused on directed to finding out what pleases God with all their minds hearts spirits because this was the situation this was the context this was the environment in which people were living whoever had a nice aptitude his or her heart and nature would in a sense imbibe a lesson of true knowledge from everything around them without consciously trying to learn it would just be enough to be there in that context you would be living among people who were all focused with their entire existence on finding out the, what pleasure pleases God and implementing it living among these people would enable those who were learning who were in the process of learning even if they did not intentionally you know take notes and listen to conversations even if they were just there even if they were just there unconsciously they would take a lesson of true knowledge from everything around them o zaman da cereyan eden ahval ve vukuat ve muhaberattan taallüm ediyordu they would learn they would in a sense be schooled by all the circumstances happenings exchanges that took place at that time Güya her bir şey ona bir muallim hükmüne geçip onun fıtrat ve istidadına ictihada bir istidadı ihzari telkin ediyordu. In a sense it was as if 
everything became a teacher for him and were inspiring in his innate nature and aptitude and acquired aptitude for ijtihad so this person has an has an innate aptitude and nature that was prepared to to learn and to do ijtihad everybody has that everybody has a conscience which is like a compass that is that that shows us what is right and what is wrong so it, we all have this natural aptitude inborn nature and aptitude but it needs to be cultivated so it was as if everything was a teacher that was cultivating the innate aptitude of this person in that society in order to give him the give him the ability to acquire a second acquired aptitude skills to do ijtihad Hatta o derece şu fıtriyi ders tenvir ediyordu ki yakın idi ki kesipsiz iştihada kabiliyeti ola ateşsiz nurlana. This natural uh, teaching, this natural lesson uh, teaching would illuminate this person to such extent that it was allowing this person to acquire skills of iştihad without an effort to acquire it. He was becoming illuminated, as Sadnursi says here in a metaphorical sense, he was being illuminated without fire. It was like a source of light that gave light without fire. And of course, this is an allusion that Sadnursi is making to the 35th verse of the um, Surah An-Nur, chapter on light in the Quran, where, where God talks about this olive tree that's giving light even without fire touching it işte şu tarzda fıtri bir ders alan bir müstaid içtihada çalışmaya başladığı vakit kibrit hükmüne geçen istidadı nurun ala nur sırrına masar olur çabuk ve az zamanda müctehid olurdu so a person who who was prepared who had the aptitude who was receiving his lessons in this natural way when he or she started to work to to acquire the necessary skills for ijtihad who tried to do ijtihad the aptitude that he had that was like a match a matchstick his aptitude that was like a matchstick would receive the blessing of nurun ala nur light upon light which is again from this verse that we mentioned mentioned and quickly in a very short period of time he would become a mujtahid so he had the aptitude he tried to acquire the skills necessary for ijtihad and because his aptitude was prepared had evolved had been cultivated in such a way in this context in this social environment quickly as if you are firing a matchstick he would receive this the blessing of this light upon light and quickly in a very short period of time he would or she would become a mujtahid amma şu zamanda medeniyeti avrupanın tahakkümüyle felsefeyi tabiyenin tasallutuyla şeraiti hayatı dünyeviyenin ağırlaşmasıyla efkar ve kulub dağılmış 
himmet ve inayet enkısam etmiştir. However, in this time, the minds, the ideas, the hearts have been scattered around. The effort and the assistance that people receive in order, in, in order to move in the right direction has been distributed among many concerns in this time. Why? Because of the oppression of the European civilization. Again, this is 1927. If you want to apply this to our circumstances today, maybe one can say consumerism with the oppression of capitalist consumerism. Felsefe-i tabiyetinin tasallutuyla with the attacks of naturalist philosophy, atheism, deism, all sorts of attempts to, to reach the knowledge of reality that are not truly guided, that are misguided, the attack, the attack of, under the attack of naturalist philosophies. Şerait-i hayat-ı dünyevinin ağırlaşmasıyla with the increasing burden of the circumstances of world living so the minds the ideas and the hearts are scattered as a result of all of these the oppression of uh, european civilization or now we can say say consumerism and capitalism because of the attacks of misguided philosophies and the increasing burden of livelihood the effort that people have and the the assistance that they can receive and give has been distributed to these various places the focus is not on earning god's pleasure anymore zihinler maneviyata karşı yabanileşmiştir minds intellects cognitive capacities have fallen away fallen apart from spirituality and metaphysical reality işte bunun içindir ki şu zamanda birisi 4 yaşında kur'anı hıfzedip alimlerle mübahese eden sufyan ibni uyeyne olan bir müştehidin zekasında bulunsa, Süfyan'ın iştihadı kazandığı zamana nispeten 10 defa daha fazla zamana muhtaçtır. And because of this, Üstad Nursi says, if there was a person at this time who had the, the intelligence of Süfyan ibn Uyeyne, who is known to have memorized the Quran at age 4 and started to enter into debates with scholars, of his time who was a true mujtahid and he was he is known for the sharpness of his mind Stanus is saying even if a person had the intelligence of Sufyan ibn Uyayna at this time he would need 10 times more time than the the the, the amount of time that Sufyan needed in order to become a true mujtahid if Sufyan ibn Uyayna needed 10 years of study in order to become a true mujtahid a person living at our time with the same aptitudes, with the same potentials, would need 10 times more time. He would need 100 years. Sufyan 10 senede iştihadı tahsil etmiş ise, şu adam 100 seneye muhtaçtır ki tahsil edebilsin. If Sufyan acquired it in 10 years, this person needs 100 years in order to acquire it. Çünkü Sufyan'ın iptidai tahsili putrisi sinli temyiz zamanından başlar. Because Sufyan ibn Uyeyne starts to acquire, begins to acquire his, his knowledge at the age of discernment. Let's say at age 3 or 4, a child starts to be able to discern things. We are not talking about full-blown intelligence, but the child starts to be able to discern things like sense 
understand right Sufyan's training starts at that age yavaş yavaş istidadım hayya olur nurlanır her şeyden ders alır kibrit hükmüne geçer his aptitude slowly acquires life acquires light it learns from everything and it becomes like a matchstick ama onun naziri şu zamanda çünkü zihni felsefede boğulmuş aklı siyasete dalmış kalbi hayatı dünyeviyede sersem olmuş istidadı içtihattan uzaklaşmış elbette fununu hazrada tavankulü derecesinde istidadı içtihadı şer'i kabiliyetinden uzaklaşmış ve ulumu arziyede tefennünü derecesinde içtihadın kabulünden geri kalmıştır now let's look at the similitude of sufyan ibn uyayna at this time sufyan's like at this time right his mind his his his ideas are drowned in philosophy his intellect again mind is is diving in politics his heart has lost its compass in the in the um, hustle and bustle of daily life his aptitude has fallen away from ijtihad of course to the extent that he becomes an expert expert in in the sciences of our time his aptitude is going to move away from the skills that are necessary in order to do ijtihad shar'i ijtihad in islamic jurisprudence to the extent that he becomes the scientist of the sciences of the earth he is going to fall behind the the possibility of being being able to enter into the realm of ijtihad onun için ben de onun gibi zekiyim niçin ona yetişemiyorum diyemez ve demeye hakkı yoktur ve yetişemez because of this he cannot say i am also as intelligent and as he is why should i not not reach where he has reached why should i not do what he is doing he cannot say this he does not have the right to say this he cannot reach a person living in the circumstance of our time cannot reach the level of ijtihad that sufyan ibn uyayna has reached this person can acquire deep knowledge of philosophy acquire deep knowledge of politics acquire deep knowledge of history and chemistry and mathematics and and astronomy sufyan ibn uyayna did did not know uh, you know what a person can can uh, acquire from the knowledge of astronomy today it doesn't compare what was available to sufyan ibn uyayna is probably a thousandth maybe a millionth of what uh, the, the present humanity has learned in terms of the, the stars and galaxies and etc in the sky in the, in the heavens a person can become an expert on this at this time a person can know a lot more uh, than Sufyan ibn Uyayna in terms of human biology and anatomy and so on and so forth however this does not mean that they will have the same opportunity to do ijtihad they will have the same 
um, they will have the same opportunity to acquire the the qualification of a mujtahid in the period in the amount of time that Sufyan ibn Uyayna acquired because the more this person knows about those other things the more his mind and intellect and heart is going to be scattered and the less his focus will be able to remain on the dot on the on the point of what ijtihad necessitates which is pleasing god so it is not about the volume of knowledge it is about the nature quality of that knowledge and it is about where that knowledge is directed to it is about the heart that heart and intellect that processes that knowledge in order to reach conclusions and that is marred that is marred in our time this is the third obstacle Ustad Nursi tells us that prevents us from going through the gate of ijtihad and he said there are six inshallah we will continue the rest in our next episode on this treatise the 27th word subhanaka la ilma lana illa ma allamtana innaka anta al-alimul hakim wa akhir da'wahum an alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin al-fatihah